Traveling on the interstates and state highways of Wisconsin, for some, is a big deal. The open road, it promises all the sights, sounds, and attractions you can take. For myself, going south means passing the Mouse House Cheese House near Madison. Going west means passing the Jolly Green Giant on I-90. And going north means passing the world's largest muskie in Hayward. When my wife and I looked at apartments in La Crosse, Wisconsin, they were just statues. Giant statues that symbolized travel. Until we saw something. A rabbit. A five-foot-tall fiberglass rabbit, to be exact. Towering over a small garden, it looked at us as we talked to our future landlords, Jerome and Judy Vetris. We asked, what's with the rabbit? Jerome replied, I made it. Fiberglass statues are a small part of American identity. Paul Bunyan, Mickey Mouse, Big Boy Burgers, or any water slide in America has been cast in fiberglass. And Jerome's made many of them. A 15-foot tall pheasant, a Sinclair dinosaur you can walk through, or the Nails Tail statue outside Camp Randall Stadium. All him. He never intended to be a sculptor. In fact, he went to college to be a high school business teacher. Life, as it turns out, never happens the way you expect it. It began by accident, actually, uh, way back in the 70s. I, I got my teaching degree. I went back to work on my master's in business. In between that, in order to make a little money, I started doing some drawings and then selling them at a local restaurant in Sparta. And that was when the second fiberglass company was in existence in Sparta. And the two men in there, two owners, saw me in the restaurant putting up some of my drawings and things and asked me to do some work for them. That's how it began in March of 76. They asked me to work for them doing drawings and sketches and whatever. And that summer is when we got the contract to do the big muskie up in Hayward. So it all began by accident. Uh, I didn't aim to do the, you know, I didn't even have a, an art degree. Jerome came into the industry with a novice understanding of sculpting. He took his understanding to the next level in a big way. In the summer and fall of 1978, he designed the world's largest muskie, over 40 feet tall and 150 feet long. We're looking at something bigger than a Boeing 757. Even this project, as you could imagine, was a learning experience. And then of course the big muskie up in Hayward, that was in 1978. That took nine months to build and it, in many pieces. And one problem was um, when I did the drawings, the drawings were correct, but when it was sculpted, Dave Oswald did, did most of the sculpting on that, and he misinterpreted the inside dimensions to the outside of all the steel, steel work that we put in it, and so it was too tight to get on the, on the structure up there, the steel structure, so we had to, they had to adjust it, do some cutting and changing in order to get it to fit over there. That was a lot of work. When you're doing things in a large scale, yeah, there can be things that, that happen. After the muskie was completed, Jerome's confidence grew. He started small, sculpting a three-foot parrot and other odds and ends statues. Looking at his competition was easy in Wisconsin. For the dairy state, almost every town has a fiberglass cow. Getting up close, he changed the game in fiberglass. You would look at some of those big bowls and everything. They don't have a lot of fine detail. When you get up close, you can see texture and everything in them. We decided we would take and make molds and castings so that when we put the detail in there, even there are many things that we do now, still do, that have the clay work in them. So you really get the fine detail in lines and, and, and texture and everything. So we began making molds 
casting molds off them. Um, but the other items in the 50s and 60s and 70s, a big, like you mentioned, uh, we talked about a cow, the Bessie, the... Chatty Bell. Chatty Bell, in there we go. In Wisconsin. Yes. My hometown. Okay. And that has, that doesn't have as fine detail as the things that are being made today because they only did one, they would sculpt it and then they'd cast over it and it wouldn't have as fine detail. These casts remained, dubbed the graveyard, the moldings laid in an endless field outside Sparta, Wisconsin. And with these casts in hand, they were able to increase production until 1983, when the owner sold the business and it moved to Florida. He started his own company and, in 1984, he changed what people thought these statues could do. It used to be that they just made statues for in front of places and I changed the focus of that in about 1984 when I went to a trade show in New Orleans and I took a big Viking statue, parked it there and got at the show in New Orleans and people would always say, that is really nice, really beautiful. What does it do? And they kept saying, what does it do? So on the way home, I'm driving and sketching and I came up with the idea of we have to do functional statues. So I came up with Kitty Delight slides and swings. They all of a sudden, they just popped. They were buying them from any of the amusement parks and everything. One of the first big slides that I did in Wisconsin Dells at Noah's Ark, it was a 20-foot-long, huge turtle, uh, you know, about 9, 10 feet high, the big, the big shell on it, and kids slide down the shell. That still is in use today. He named his company FAST, or the Fiberglass Animal Shapes and Trademarks. As his skills grew, Jerome's reputation grew as well. For a while, it seemed like his work was going everywhere. Yet, outside the world of fiberglass, he was just Jerome, the guy down the street who reads the newspaper every day at the library. For the most part, he prefers it this way. I guess I never, I really don't get any of those conversations. It's funny how that is, unless I was somewhere where someone would see us. Well, I do have, like my little granddaughters, we go down to Riverside Park, and they'll say, Grandpa, did you make that big Indian down there? I said, no, that's made out of cement. If someone brings it up, I guess it would be, we talk about it, but it just doesn't, you know. But he still had his admirers. It goes to show you, if you see a great piece of craftsmanship, you need to comment on it. We're headed down the highway, and the state police pulled us over, and he came walking up, and I thought, now what's wrong? He says, I, there's nothing wrong. He says, I just want to be able to see this thing. So, And he kind of laughed, and I've never been pulled over by, by a policeman. So when they're that big, you know, hauling them certain places and, uh, and putting them together is a chore. Uh, but it's fun to see the final product. Much like Jerome's life, it's these types of unexpected experiences that can turn into something great. What Jerome leaves behind is something more than roadside attractions. It's how you use these unexpected experiences and turn them into something more. Even his rabbit served a greater purpose in the end. It was something that we had in my in the inventory. We had made a couple different a couple rabbits um, for someone and we just happened to have that one and not had been sitting there for a year. You know, we had quite a few different things. And just was something not too large, something I thought would go in, a, in the in the garden, okay, and look okay. And so it was just kind of on a whim that I said, why don't you take that rabbit? So I gave that to Jude. That was before we were married. And... Uh, did you did you use that to win her over? Yeah, maybe that, that might have been part of it, you know. <laughs> uh. 